know, we, we, we come in today, and here it is the week after Easter. And we think, well, sort of now what? You know, Easter, a thousand, for a thousand years or more, depending on, on your tradition, Easter wasn't just an event. Easter was a season. The 40 days that led up to the resurrection were, were called Lent that we still celebrate today, and it commemorated the suffering that Christ did on our behalf. And then the 40 days after the resurrection, up until Pentecost, which Acts 2 uh, tells us is kind of the birthday of the church, those 80 days were known as the Easter season. We sort of turned it into a day. Easter is a day. So, but what Easter actually is, is the first day of a new age of power that's come into our lives. Paul told us in Ephesians that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us and in our lives every day. And the question for us is, do we feel that? And if not, why? Pastor Dan's going to come tonight and talk about that power. And talk about, okay, Easter, now what? Dan Meyer, many of you know, and for those of you that don't, Dan is, I thought about this this afternoon, Dan, I didn't say this this morning, Dan I, is, is, is a handyman and he's good at it, really good at it. But more than that, he's on our staff here, he is the pastor of spiritual formation or transformation, which is kind of a big way of saying that he uh, leads us in discipleship and he does it very, very well. Many of you may know him through connecting with him to biblical counseling. Dan is one of several people on our staff that, that has been called to teach. And so tonight he's going to do that. Pastor Dan. Thanks, Steve. I don't know about you guys, but I just heard about a resurrection. Did you guys hear that? Anybody clue into that? <clears throat> Today's been a heavy day. I know Trace is feeling it. I know that I was feeling it. If, if any of you were here this morning, I, uh, there were a lot of waterworks from me. <laughs> I sat here and stood here, and, and honestly, I just I felt your pain. Because here we're talking about resurrection, and we're talking about the, the greatness of what God can do, and yet I look around this room, and I see the faces of of people who are battling for their very lives and struggling for, with their faith. I see people who are even rejoicing in their faith, and yet the trials of life are so heavy and so real and so upon them that there's no other word to call it than just plain suffering. I've had conversations with you, people whose marriages are, are breaking. My husband doesn't love me anymore. My wife doesn't love me anymore. Had conversations with you, people among you right in this room, struggling with codependency and struggling with, with drug addiction, struggling with alcoholism. People right here struggling with the fact of their mortality, living with the knowledge of a terminal illness. And the reality of all of these things, we opened up with a song tonight, you know, these are the, the days of death. And here we are, we're, we're living in the days of death. And yet, 
there's hope. And yet there is opportunity for confident hope. There's opportunity for faith. There's opportunity to live in the same way that Jesus lived. Facing that death with joy. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians tonight. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're coming out of, out of Easter last week, and, and if you were Eastern Orthodox, then today is actually the, the day that they're celebrating Easter. Talking about the resurrection. Talking about this, this great, wonderful thing that's been done, this, this new paradigm shift that has taken place, this new opportunity, this new lease on life. We're now... Because of the resurrection, because of the defeat of death and the, and the victory that Christ won over sin, we now have the opportunity to have a choice. See, before Christ, before He died and before He rose again, the choice was made for us. The choice that we had was that we were, we were born into a life of sin and we were slaves to, to wickedness. We were slaves to sin. We had no choice but to to follow our own way. We had no choice but to follow our own path and our own design and do those things that were right in our own eyes. And so this thing called the resurrection is is an opportunity. It's it's giving us the freedom to make a choice. Because now the, the bondage of sin has been broken. And the truth of the matter is, as we sit here and as we, we have knowledge of the resurrection, as we have the, the, the fact, the knowledge, we have the experience, we sit here and we, we worship and we raise our hands and we say, holy is the Lord, God Almighty. And as we feel Him, and as we know Him, now we have the, the choice to make a decision, am I going to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? Am I going to be a disciple of Christ? Am I going to be known by the same love that Christ exhibited? Self-sacrificing love. Love that didn't put his own personal preferences ahead of the calling of God to sacrifice, to love, to give, to pour himself out. To make his life about Serving and pleasing God to make his life about the lives of the people around him. How he could bless them. How he could be a conduit of God's love. Paul writes in the first chapter of Ephesians. This has been my prayer for you this week as I've been reading this. And it's something that I'm sure that as, as Paul was writing it, he was, he was feeling it so deeply. I'm sure, I'm sure that his, his heart was breaking it, that his spirit was groaning that his eyes were welling up with tears as, as he sat there and he looked at this church at Ephesus and he, and he knows the struggle of their faith. He knows the, what's going on in the world at that time and, and the people all around who are going and, and searching in all of these different kinds of spirituality. People that are going to these, these temples and, 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 and sleeping with prostitutes in the name of God. People who are going and, and, and offering incense and offering these different sacrifices. Thinking that this is the way, these things that we do, these are the things that are going to make God happy. These are the things that are going to please God and put me in right standing with God. And, and he says, 
In, in, in the first chapter, in verse 17, he starts out, and he says, I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I'm sure he's just sitting there and he's pouring himself out to God and he's just praying and he's saying, God, these people are in pain. These people are, are struggling. These people are, are, are thinking that they're doing things that are godly and yet are very far from you. They have this form of godliness. And yet there's no power. They have this, this legalism and, and yet it's impotent. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead resides in them, resides in us. The opportunity is available. And so as we battle and as we struggle and as we identify our mortality, as we wage war against the ideology of the world and as we, as we sit in a place battling for our faith and saying, all right, God, is it, is it right for me to, to follow the wisdom of the world, to, to follow the wisdom of my own mind that says it's okay for me to, to have premarital sex? I test drive a car, right? Is, it's okay for me to, to, to move in and to live and, and, to, and to see if these things are going to work. It's okay for me to set up these barriers and to set up these boundaries and it's okay for me to, to try to make sure, to safeguard myself, to protect myself. And God says, I'm your safeguard. I'm, I'm your protector. I want you to live all out. I want you to live vulnerable. I want you to live by faith because without faith, it's impossible to please me. Without faith, it's impossible for you to experience abundant life. Without faith, it's impossible for the resurrection to be a reality in your life, in my life. I have a very gracious wife. I'm one of those people that I, I don't, you know, when, when something's going on, when I, when I feel like I've conquered something, I'm almost like afraid <laughs> to like say that I've conquered it, you know? I'm a, it's almost like, you know, you don't want to jinx it, right? You know? Well, I don't want to like thank God for this because I might still be battling it. If, if I thank God for it, then, you know, sure enough, the, the battle's going to come. And then I'll, I'll lose my witness. I'll lose my testimony. But by faith and with confident hope, I sit here as a man who, who has conquered an addiction and a battle with pornography that's lasted over seven or eight years. And I say that only literally within the last year. I say that because of the grace that has poured out and the love that has been poured out by my wife. But the faith that she has, the ability that she has to love me so unconditionally by the hand of God, to be able to say, Dan, I love you, period. That's it. There is no condition. There are no boundaries. There are, there, is, there are no walls in our relationship. I love you. 
And regardless of how you hurt me and regardless of, of what you're going through, I will love you and God will love you. And I sit here and I receive that and, and I look at my children and over the last couple of weeks, God has given me this, this amazing love that every time I just look at my kids, I just, I well up with tears. These precious gifts. And I look around here and I, and I know that God himself, he's dwelling in our midst. He, his presence is here. You, you felt him during our, our worship. Maybe you hear his words now as he says, I love you. And I look around and I see these faces and I see the people who have been beaten and bruised and battered by the world. People who have been told that they're worthless, that they're useless, that they're no good, that they're never going to amount to anything, that they're, that they're pieces of crap. And I look at you and I say, that's a lie. And I look at you and I see earthen vessels that God has placed here to be filled with his glory. And I look at you and I tell you the truth that God has a great plan, that God has a unique design for you. That you have a purpose, that you have a calling. That there is a confident hope. And I dare you to step out into that. I dare you to rise above the pain and rise above the, the hurt and to, live, and to leave the past behind, to forget what has been done and has been perpetuated. And I dare you to step into the resurrection. Because it's true, and it's right, and there is power. But it's a choice that we have, and it's a choice we must make. Ephesians chapter 2, in the first verse, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, every single one, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done to us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Here we all sit. It's a level playing field. We've been called. We've been called with a unique design, with a unique purpose. And I, I hate the... I hate the platform that we get put on, this pedestal that we get put on as, as pastors or as church staff, I, this, this high calling of God. The high calling of God is for you to do what you were designed to do, period. It's not about being a pastor. It's not being about, a, about being a teacher. It's not being a mouthpiece. It's about you living to your unique design, to the fullness of the potential that God has put inside of you to achieve your ness. To find out who you are in God's scheme of things. To be able to look at it and go, all right, 
Dan Meyer, I am a remodeler by the calling of God. And I do it to glorify God. When I started my business, I, I, I opened my Bible and I found verses in Exodus where it said that, that God would give us the skills that we need. I found verses in Exodus where the people were coming and building the temple and they began to do everything as an offering to the Lord. And so I named my business Offerings LLC. God, I want this to be for you. I will glorify you in everything that I do, period. There is no other option for me. And as I sit here and as we have that choice, as we have that opportunity to, to achieve our calling, whatever it is, I'm going to be a tax attorney. I'm going to glorify God by reconciling taxes, by reconciling people to the, to the U.S. government. Yes. I am going to be the best plumber I can be, and by God's mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, I will pull my pants up all the way. Whatever it is that I am going to achieve my calling, I'm going to fulfill my purpose. I am going to be, I don't want to use those military slogans, we're not going there. Be all I can be and all that junk. I was in the military. The Lord's healed me from that pain. <clears throat> Let's move on. Ephesians 4. Therefore I, a prisoner, Ephesians 4, verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. There it is. For you have been called by God. You. Not just me. You. Do you confess that you need Christ? Do you confess that you have Him as your Lord and as your Savior? Then you have a calling. Then you have a purpose then you have been empowered to glorify God, to be a conduit for His love. Period. That's it. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope the future there is one lord one faith one baptism and one god and father who is over all and in all and living through all i kept hearing this i kept seeing the the calling i kept hearing this this oneness this unity one god one father one faith one lord one baptism one body oneness the ness you wes what's your name Yes, I like that, I like that. I know it's goofy, it's silly, but it's true. It's true, not about the mothership part, you know, but the Father part, the one God and Father of all. And He has uniquely empowered us to be followers of Him. God doesn't play mind games. Jesus would not stand before his disciples and say, be perfect even as I am perfect, unless he meant it. Unless he give, gave us the opportunity. He's not setting us up for failure. This isn't a trick. Hey, watch this. I'm going to tell the guys to be perfect. We should get some good response out of this. Ah! God and the angels aren't like laughing at us in heaven, you know? Like, no, he gives us the opportunity. He gives us the power. And every time we fall and every time we fail, 
Every time our faith is just this big and just this much, and it feels like it's never enough, and the tidal wave of life is crashing over us, he's sitting there and he's rooting for us and he's cheering for us. And he's saying, I'm sufficient and I'm enough and I want you. And every time we battle with the temptation and we run to our sin and we run to our addiction and our faith is too little to be able to to push forward, then he's always there to pick up the broken pieces and he's always there to say, I still love you. I truly believe that it's impossible for us to disappoint God. Because He knows that we are but dust. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. He knows the things that we're tempted with. He knows the battles that we face. And He knows how hard it is to trust Him. Because we take the things that we experience in this life and we transfer those things to our relationship with God. We take the hurts and the pain and we think that God's going to be the same way. And so we step forward and we trust Him and then we take it back. And ask you tonight to challenge yourself. And to say, even as we sang, I I want to be wholly yours, God. I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to be humble and gentle and I don't want the rage and the bitterness and the anger that resides inside of me to win. I don't want to be apathetic and I don't want to be indifferent. I don't want to be cold-hearted. I don't want to separate myself from all of the the good things that you have. I don't want to block myself out. I I don't want to set up a fortress around myself so that I can't trust you. I want to lower my defenses. I want to be able to make allowance for each other's faults because of the love that you've given I want to be able to be patient with the people around me. I want to be able to make every effort to keep myself united in the Spirit. I want to be able to step forward. I want to endeavor. I want to adventure into all that you are, God. And we say that by faith. We say that with confident hope. We say that with motivation in responding to who God is and the mighty power of the resurrection. Because there's no line in the sand that we can draw that God cannot cross. There's no place that we can go. There's no depression too deep. There is no sin too great. There's no blasphemy too vile. No matter what you've said to God or against God, there's nothing that can separate us from His love. That is the greatness of our God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'm just going to a time of prayer as we close out. Worship band's going to come back up and we're going to we're going to just ask God to finish whatever work he's doing in your heart tonight. There's so much truth that's been spoken. I was ready to just sit down and let Miss Patricia keep going. There's so much testimony. There's so much truth to the power of God, the power of the resurrection. But the question we have to ask ourselves is okay, the resurrection, so what? Jesus raised from the dead, so what? What is my life doing, showing, living? What is it that I'm experiencing? Am I experiencing the resurrection? 
And tonight God wants to take every single one of us on another step on that journey. There's people sitting in this room that feel very far from God. Maybe He wants to bring you into fellowship with Him tonight. Because there's an invitation. The resurrection is an open invitation to fellowship with Him. It's a one-time payment for everything wrong that was ever done against God. That lets each and every one of us come boldly to the throne of grace. There's people in this room that are sitting here that, that are battling with their faith and they're, they're experiencing that battle with their mortality. The battle with their faith where they're not sure, they know what they want to do, but they're not sure what God wants them to do. And God says, I want you to wait and I want you to intertwine with me. I want you to draw close to me. I want you to get into my word and let me speak truth to you. I want to encourage you. I want to build you up. I want to lift you up. There's people in this room that, that think that they're just fine with God. And you are. And God says, I want to take you to another place. I want to take you to a place of, of being able, because you are strong, because I have strengthened you, to bear the burdens of the people around you. You who are spiritual, restore those who have, have fallen with a spirit of humility and with a spirit of gentleness. I want you to shore up. I want you to be proclaimers of the truth. I want you to be the ones who are speaking of the resurrection and offering hope to those who are downhearted. We never attain. Not in this life. We always have room to grow. None of us are perfect. But we can all press forward by the power that's been given to us by God into His plan, into His glory. Let's pray. Father God, we just confess our deep need for You. Because we find times, Lord, that we aren't humble and that pride is the ruler of our life. The gauge of our happiness is not found in You. The gauge of our joy and our abundance is not You. We find it in, in good circumstances. We find it in, in fellowship with friends. We find it in the love of another person. Lord, we confess that we find our identity in places where we have no business finding it. Lord, we confess that sometimes we live so much on the surface that we never find the love that passes the knowledge. The things that we know about you aren't tangible to us because we never truly explore the depth of your love. And we're wrapped up in, in what we look like and what we wear and who loves us and who we love and what people think about us. And what we're going to do with our lives. And we worry too much and we're anxious. And we worry about tomorrow and we, we battle with the future. And sometimes we're not good stewards and we're unwise with our finances. And Lord, there's times that we don't glorify you with our mouth. Lord, there's times that we're debased. That we're so, that we're so strung out and we're so worried and we've lost so much hope, Lord, that we, that we cast aside your truth and so we begin to take things into our own hands and we, and we do what seems right to us, Lord. And so we get drunk just to relieve the pain for a moment. 
We take a hit because it's where we can find immediate peace, and yet, Lord, we, we want to battle and want to have the faith to be able to, to believe your word that says that you will guard our hearts and our minds and you will give us the peace that we need. Lord, we doubt. And we do your work in our own strength. And sometimes we burn out. And here in this place, Lord, we, we rejoice in the resurrection. We, we celebrate your life that you've given us. We celebrate the, the choice where we no longer have to be slaves to sin. And now we can choose to be slaves to righteousness. We actually have the opportunity to, to not just try to do good, but to succeed to be a blessing to you, to put a smile on your face, to live a life of abundance, Lord. And for those of us that sit in this room that, that have no hope in that area, Lord, I pray that you give us in this very moment, in the cry of our heart, in the desperation of our need, you give us that hope. You give us the love that surpasses knowledge. You give us the courage to overcome the cowardice that blocks out feeling and blocks out the pain and buys the lie because it's easier and lives a life that says, I don't give a crap. Lord, I pray that you give us the ability to step beyond that. To break free from the cycle of sin and pain and addiction and selfishness. And Lord, we rejoice in the fact that You can use us in spite of our wickedness, in spite of our lack of faith, that You can still use even the smallest thing to glorify Yourself because You're just that powerful. Lord, in these moments, bring us to a deeper level of, of understanding and of experiencing Your love. That we might know what is the height and what is the depth. What is the breadth, Lord, knowing that nothing can separate us from Your love. No angels, no principalities, no things in heaven, no things on earth, Lord. Nothing can separate us from who You are. Lord, let us feel Your great love and let us... Let us bear the burden of that kindness to the point where we, where we turn from our sin and where we, we run to you with open arms. And we repent. And we celebrate with joy this new leaf, lease on life, this new paradigm. And regardless of how long we have known you, Lord, I pray that you bring us to a deeper level in this place, here and now. In Jesus' name.